typically when you go into meeting with a seller, you want to talk about how wonderful your program is. You're listening to the Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Welcome, Right Club Nation, to another episode of the Right Club Podcast. It's Alfonso Salemi here, and today uh, my co-host is Laurel Simmons. Welcome, Laurel. How are you? I'm great, Alfonso. How are you? Doing great. I am doing great. Uh, creeping on, working on the business, continuing to grow the Right Club, all the different uh, aspects of the uh, of the business that we're uh, continuing to evolve, sharing information with the Right Club community. If you haven't already, and first of all, thank you to all the people that have listened and uh, rated and reviewed the podcast. It's been able to really far surpass any reach that I ever thought that we would ever have. So it's, it's amazing on, on the strength of those, rate, of those ratings and reviews. If you haven't, we would love to hear from you. If you want to uh, give us a quick shout out, if you think we deserve a five-star review, please get on there and, uh, and let us know. We got a really good podcast today. So uh, yeah, thank you so much to the Right Club community to continue to listen to these podcasts. Yeah, because I don't think a lot of people realize that if, you, if they actually rate us, if you go on to whatever, Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it is, if you rate us, then that moves us up the, the list and then we become uh, more visible to other people who, and other real estate investors who might be interested in, in hearing what you know, our guests have to say. So it, it helps everybody. Yes, absolutely. But for today's podcast, we had, uh, we had V. Koo. So he's actually from, uh, he's an American from Denver, Colorado, and uh, actually immigrated. So similar to a lot of stories in Canada, immigration, parents of immigrants from Vietnam. So he, uh, he's been here for over 20 years. Uh, and there was actually a 20 year, sorry, a 20 year wait. I'm just checking my notes here. A 20 year wait from his family to immigrate here. And now he's been, been uh, in Denver for 17 years. He also hosts a, a podcast called the Real Estate Lab Podcast. And uh, he's, uh, he's, he's done a quite a different uh, array of, of real estate investing, some tax liens. He's uh, done a lot of VTBs and vendor financing. So he shed some light on some tips on how to offer that to when, when you're looking at sellers and, and, and negotiating with sellers, the LTB. And, and uh, I know uh, a strategy that you're familiar with yourself and Daniel, the, the lease option or the rent to own that he's done as well too in the States. So a uh, really, really good, uh, really, really good interview. Yeah. And it's, um, it's really, it's great to hear somebody who, literally he and his family came over with nothing, right? So my takeaway from this uh, is, wow, there's just no excuse. <laughs> really, there's no excuse. Yeah, it wasn't, an, it wasn't an easy, easy entrance into the U.S. And uh, his family were, you know, blue collar workers that had a little bit of information. He, he educated himself. He took the classes and, and now he's doing a great job of helping even more people with his podcast, coming on to podcasts like ours, sharing his experience. So uh, I'm excited to get to it. What do you think? What do we uh, get to the podcast? I think we should go right to it. Welcome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. V. Koo, thank you so much for joining uh, Laurel and I today on the Right Club podcast. Hey, man, it's, it's an honor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Really, really cool. We've had a few Americans uh, here on the podcast and, you know, getting a different perspective. As we know, there's you know, real estate investing is such a broad topic and broad conversation. There's all different ways to look at it. So we're really, uh, really excited to, uh, to get to talk to you, get to know you a little bit better. But before we do that, maybe uh, for those uh, listeners and the members of the Right Club Nation that haven't heard uh, of you or listened to your podcast, which we'll talk about more later, maybe give us a little bit of a background on uh, who you are and, and what you do. 
Yeah, so I'm a uh, podcaster. I host the Real Estate Lab podcast, and um, a lot of my listeners are people who have a like really high income, and they work a really good W two. And and in Canada, I guess the the T four job that you you taught me about, and you know they they were looking for ways to diversify. And so I started that podcast to give them a place to go and listen to. Um, industry leaders, key opinion leaders, and, um, you know, just to educate themselves on what else they can do besides working this job. In 2003, my family came to the U.S. uh, legally after a very long immigration process. Um, Most people wait, you know, five to 10 years. My family waited over 20 years and, um, you know, finally came over in 03 and started investing in 2008, right when it crashed. And, uh, been ever uh, been doing it ever since so you were actually you came over from vietnam correct correct yes and so what was it like when when so you said you came over in 03 and you started investing in 2008 correct yes that's correct so i like so in a five-year span you started investing so so tell us that story i mean that's got to be pretty interesting i'm thinking a lot had to happen you had to take a lot of action and think through a lot of things before you got to that to that stage what happened so it's it's funny so when i came over to the u.s i was supposed to be in the 11th grade because of my uh, age but they put me back two years because uh, i didn't know english so i had to learn english and learn to adapt to life in the u.s then about two years after that, I started working at a call center, and that's where I really picked up my English skill, uh, just because I had to like on the phone eight hours every day, just just talking to people all around the world. So I learned to pick up accents and and learn to relate to people. It was pretty easy for me, and so that translate to uh, me talking on the phone a lot, and and you know I was burned out. I, I was looking for uh, better ways to make money, and at 21, I was like, okay, Robert Kiyosaki had a you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. A lot of people read that book. And I actually went to his free bootcamp. Then I signed up for the $500 bigger bootcamp. Just I pay so that they can pitch me more bigger products. Fast forward a few weeks after that, that bootcamp, I went to the, the, to the paid one and at that event, I found out about wholesaling, and I told a lady um, up front, I'm like, hey, I'm interested in wholesaling. How much it, would it be for me to just take one course? Of course, they didn't want to sell you just one course. They want to bundle everything, and at the time, it was $9,000 for one course. I didn't have the $9,000, but the one thing that they taught me at that weekend was to increase my credit limit. So I increased my credit limit. I went to a local RIA club here in Denver, Colorado, just, just like the right club that you guys have. And I found my mentors there, paid him a whole lot more money than uh, what I would have paid Rich Dad. And, you know, I just, the rest is, is history. Uh, he taught me everything I knew and he gave me a, the confidence because when you first came over to a country, you need to learn the system in place. Being an attorney, my mentor at the time just basically gave me that confident boost to say, hey, go do this, go do that. And I just took his word for it. I didn't have to worry about anything. I have the contract. I had everything that he gave me. Free legal advice, basically, prepaid legal advice. 
Yeah, that's that's incredible, and 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 good on you. Is is you know we we, we talked about it when I when I was a guest onto your podcast, and for those listeners uh, that want another great real estate podcast to listen to, the Real Estate Lab is awesome, and V uh, interviews amazing people on there. But we talked a little bit about the the Rich Dad class and the similar path that we had taken. And um, I think you you coming over here. I mean, I jotted down a couple notes, but you coming over to a brand new country, learning a brand new language in English, having to adapt, right? And then what I think was really smart is that you you actually went to go and practice that by calling people. You were actually getting paid. Well, hopefully, right? If you close a deal or if you sell, but basically, you were getting paid to learn and practice a new skill, and and that's phenomenal. Where you're able to adapt and change the things that. You know, uh, you're at that, that a young age, you're more of a sponge, more ready to learn, I guess. So then you went on to the wholesaling class and that was, you know, one of the first ones that you start with or, and you learn about, but to increase your credit limit. What was, what was the key after that? You, you said you followed your mentor. He was telling you to do a few things. We all know the story, right? You got to follow people that have walked the path that you want to be on. So what, what was right out of the gate? you know, some, some successes there, or you're maybe the first deal that everybody remembers. It's so I had two deals came under, um, under contract at one time. Uh, this was 08, 09. So it was pretty easy for me to find deals here in Denver. Uh, if you remember the crash started around, I would say August, September of 2008. And I started this in like October, November of that year. And so fast forward to about December, I remember December of 08, I got two deals under contract, same day. I call into work and I said, hey, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Then I drove over to look at two properties and I picked out, basically it was for me to pick whichever one I, I like more. And then I found one that I love more than the other. I just said, okay, I'm gonna buy this one and I'm gonna let go of the other. Call another member in my uh, community that's in the same uh, mentoring community and i said hey uh, i have this deal do you want to buy it from me from me for eight grand more than what i'm paying and they said yes so the whole thing took me about an hour to do it was that was the first big check that i got from uh, from wholesaling and that couple to today, they're still my business partner. So how long did it take you before you um, you stopped your call center job and moved into real estate? Full time, that Full-time, was, yeah. I would say about two to three years. And the only reason was because the health insurance. And I was going to, full, uh, to, to school full time as well. So I was doing part-time real estate, full-time school. And then it got to the point where I just couldn't do the call center anymore. So I quit that job that uh, went to college and, and did full-time real estate. Basically what my schedule like at that point was I went to class. I took the, uh, the light rail to a library to meet with my business partner. And we worked out every, whatever we need to work out. Then I took the, the train back to school and then he would go on the rest of the day and and, you know, set appointment and whatnot. Then on my days off from school, I would just go meet with sellers with him and, and we did whatever we need to do. It was pretty hands-on and, and uh, it was a lot of, like a lot of working hours. Uh, for two, three years, I only slept three hours. So if you 
you, you started this and you had your first successful deal, like really when the, when the crash of 2008 started. People go through bad times and good times. Economies go up, economies go down. There are recessions and sometimes near depressions. And then there's you know the bull market and the bear market and all the rest of it. How do you think doing that deal at the beginning of the crash of 2008, how do you think that set you up to succeed in, in, with your following deals? Because that couldn't have been easy. To me, it was pretty easy because it was my first taste of success. Now that allowed me to shift my mindset from going, hey, time is bad right now. Everyone's losing money, um, you know, 401k, became 201 cases, lost half of it overnight. But then I found success in doing real estate and it was easy for me. So I'm like, okay, there's something to it here. Everyone else is panicking. I'm making money. Sky is the limit. So let me set the target really high. Now I didn't hit my target, but I was halfway there. The trick is you set your target high and I'm sure if you don't get to your target, you know, shoot for the moon. If, if you don't get to the moon, you still be among the stars. And, and that's the, that's the mindset that I was going with. Yeah. I think I've heard that said before too, right? If you hit all your goals, you don't have big enough goals, right? <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> I like that. And it's true. And, and I think that, you know, you being able to put in that sacrifice that time, like you're saying for years, three, two, three years, sleeping for three hours a night or four hours a night and, and doing the things that are necessary to do, I, I, you know what, I, I, for you, it's, it's hard to sound to say it sounds easy, but I think that the drive was there, that the passion was there, that was, that was allowing you to do that, where some people I'm like, oh my God, I only slept three hours a night, but they're not enjoying what they're doing. They're not like that taste of excitement or that, like you said, you got that first one. So that taste to go get that second and third one, you're like, oh, I only sleep two hours tonight because I need to, <laughs> to finish everything, right? School and work, right? So I think- yep. That, that's that's a part that a lot of that drives a lot of people not only in real estate investing but in careers and jobs and passions that people have right is that it seems easy right if, if you if you love what you do you never work a day in your life i'll, yeah, I'll disagree that, with it because there's tough days there's always tough days no matter how much you love what you do you're gonna have to get through those so okay so that so let's walk us through now so now it's that was 2008 2009 that you, you were kind of working so as you're developing this now, gaining some more success and, and you, you've done a few different strategies, what were the strategies that were, you were drawn to or you learned more about and then uh, eventually enacted in, in, your, in your career? You know what I love? I absolutely love owner financing and lease option. Just, just like you guys, you have lease option. And for myself, I love the owner financing strategy is because you don't need banks. You're dealing directly with the seller. You can come up with whatever you terms you want. Any terms you want is, is not out of the realm of reality. You, you can literally, if, if someone say this house is worth 200,000 and they want a million dollars, I can find a ways to pay that to you. If you're willing to work with me on the terms. I don't, I don't care what the price is. If you're willing to let me work out the terms, I can pay you your price. And so that's why I love the, the owner financing strategy so much. And then on the back end, you can sell a lease option. You can sell it. You can rent it out. You can do whatever you want. As long as you can generate the cash flow to pay your mortgage, you're good to go. 
So what were the most, um, what were the most difficult things for you to learn as you went, you know, as your real estate career developed? Like what were the pitfalls? Cause people like to hear about that. The pitfall would be, um, you know, one of the most profound lessons that I've learned um, would be not to be greedy. You know, like pigs get fat and hog gets slaughtered. And I, I got slaughtered hard on several deals where I got the seller to agree on the terms. And, you know, when it was time to sign a contract, I push it a little more just to see how far I could get it to. And I ended up, you know, losing the whole deal. And that deal, if I still have it today, that would have made me a few million dollars. All because Ouch. of one thing I did. <laughs> Ouch. That, that would hurt. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think that there's a, I, I think it's the story of Icarus, I believe, right? I think it's, it's uh, Icarus who flew too close to the sun, right? So I think that's like one of those... Um, things inside of us that we're always trying to push. We're always trying to get to that, that, that better deal. And it's a great lesson to learn is, uh, and, and I, my grandfather used to say that he said it in Italian, but he used to say that, that pigs eat and hogs get slaughtered. And, and yeah. that's, that's exactly true. So, um, so, okay. So let's, let's dig into a little bit of the owner financing. And I guess we we're calling it like some people call it vendor take back VTBs, those types of things. So what's some advice when, when you're negotiating? So let's just say I have a property that you desire um, mm -hmm. or, or maybe walk us through one of the examples that, that you've done and, and some of the techniques or, or maybe strategies that you found helpful in your negotiating when you're trying to get those VTBs. Because I know the, the rich dad education or, or you know, those classes, those trainings that we took, I said every offer should have that in there, right? And then some people laugh at you and say, oh, that's crazy. You can't do that. And well, that's illegal, all that kind of things that we've all heard before. But maybe what are some things that, that you do that you found successful when working with vendor financing or, or vendor takebacks? The biggest takeaway for, for myself would be something I call the nothing approach, the nothing mindset. Typically, when you go into meeting with a seller, you want to talk about how wonderful your program is, the all the features, all the benefits, the quick close, and um, how much money they can get, how, how easy it is to deal with you. For myself, when I walk into a seller's home, I'm there for one purpose and one purpose only on the first meeting is to find out exactly how I can help that seller by buying this house. And what I mean by that is, Let's say you have an issue that you're trying to resolve. You might not know what that is, but you think you need to sell this house right now so that you can take care of it. Now, by going into their, your house and just say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll offer you this much. I'll, I'll just take it off your hand. Okay, now I'll give you a bushel of money from loans or whatever. Okay, now you have this money. Did I help you solve your problem though? I don't know that you have to go in there with the mindset that you are there to solve a problem for your seller or whoever you're dealing with the husband, the wife, the, the child who, who inherited the, the property. Once you find that now you can craft your offer to see whether or not your program could help them 
in, in fixing it. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, one of the sellers that I worked with wanted to sell his condo because he thought, you know, he, he wanted to take the money out and go travel the world with his girlfriend at the time. The guy was, um, at the time he was in his 70s. And I met with him and my business partner. We, we each did some digging. The final thing he said to us before he agreed to sell that property to us at uh, 0% financing was that he was afraid that he, he was basically dying. He had all his asset, but he has no time. He was taking care of the asset and he had no time to enjoy life. So what we did was that we figured out exactly how much money it would cost for him to have whatever vacation he wants, whatever cruise trips he wants in a year. And then I just took that divided by 12 and say, okay, this is how much I can give you. Do you at the end of the year, you have all the money you need to go do whatever you need. And he said, yes. Just unlocking, just unlocking something like simple to travel or the cost, the expense of traveling. And if you could cover that, then he was able to kind of free himself up. And you're right, because it, it's sometimes not just the, the monetary number or, or the, the offer, because you can go in there. And we hear stories all the time, Laurel, don't we? At the right club where, hey, we put in an offer and I wasn't even the highest one. That was 30 grand, 50 grand under the highest offer, right? Whether it's conditions, whether it's, you know, offering something into the deal, it's really getting into that personal aspect of it that we're buying properties and physical structures, but really dealing with the people that are buying and selling, that's you know, that's where the deals are made or that's where the best deals are made. And it's yeah, really, exactly. it's true. It's about, it's about finding out what people want, not just what they need, because, you know, people never don't respond to what they need. They always respond to what they want. And it's about going deeper, right? And connecting to that person, because in the end, like any other business, the real estate business is about people. It's about people. Yeah, it's not even about, about a house. You, you're going in there, you're not buying the house, you're helping that person. Exactly. They call you for a reason, right? They, they think they have a problem. They, they need to get rid of the house, they, have to, they need the cash. But really, do they need the cash though? They don't, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is all dependent on, uh, on the situations, but that, that's, that's the important part is that you're going in there, digging deeper, asking those questions, getting to know, because I always give this analogy and say, you know, whatever your favorite pair of shoes are, okay, if I offered you the best deal in the world on your favorite pair of shoes, but they were three sizes too big or five sizes too small, right? It's a great deal, but just not for you because they're right. not going to fit you, right? So it's got to fit and got to work for, for every single person that you can. So, um, you know, okay, so let's talk about a little bit about in, in the U.S. and you're, you're in Denver, are a lot of, of the projects that you're currently working on, like do, do you subscribe to the, oh, I need to invest close by, I want to be close by my projects or properties, or are you working in other states? How, do, how does that look geographically? Actually, I, uh, I'm working in other states and we talked about a little bit during our podcast session with you. The U.S. have some of the most landlord-friendly states. And so those are the states that, that we like to buy properties in. So I have properties in Oklahoma City, in Kansas City. Uh, I'm sorry, not, not Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma State, uh, in Tulsa City. So I have properties there. This was maybe a few years ago, I started to see Denver was becoming too hot. And I thought 2016, we were going to have this 
step back and, and this bubble. So I, I started looking elsewhere and Tulsa was one of those cities that did not crash during uh, 2008. And so I just kind of parked, parked my, uh, my money there. And it, being a landlord friendly state, that, that helped. So when you say landlord friendly, because goodness knows for people who live in Ontario, that's not a landlord friendly province at all. <laughs> I mean, across the country here, there are varying degrees of, I would say, control over landlords. But uh -huh. just when you look for a state and you say landlord friendly, what are you, what are you looking for? I typically look for a state that runs by Republicans. Um, red states, um, pretty landlord friendly. They do have some pockets like for example, in Texas, uh, Austin is a pretty liberal city. So your, your regulations over there could be um, unfavorable to you. But in Texas and in Oklahoma in general, if a person is not paying rent, you can typically get that person out in about 15 to 30 days. Wow. Wow. And you don't have to go through the, the hoops probably that we have to go through here in on, Ontario with, uh, oh. Yeah, for those, yeah. those listeners on the Right Club Nation, that's as long as it takes to get a hearing sometimes. <laughs> oh, if wow. you're lucky, if Depending, you're lucky. Yeah, some cities, yeah, V, some cities were up to 60 days, right? Well, now, you know, we're not going to talk about now, but yeah, some cities were up to 60 days, 70 days of, of that kind of stuff. So um, Yeah, and, and I actually, so... The funny thing is I, I buy in those states, but I don't evict. I will bribe them to go out. Hmm. The cash cash for keys type of deal, right? Yes, correct. Yes. It's, um, it doesn't help other landlords, but if that, whoever the new landlord is, if they did their due diligence and actually call me, I would tell them exactly what it is, hmm. you know, about this person and they would not, uh, but hopefully not rent out to that resident. And if you don't call and you don't do your due diligence, well, that's on you. One of the things that we uh, have heard here at the Right Club, and we have we have uh, Harry Fine speak to us sometimes, and he's he used to be an adjudicator on the Landlord Tenant Board uh, for the province of Ontario. And one of the things he said is just it just struck home with me. He said, you know, you can look for the good tenants, but you know, he said what what's really important is be a good landlord. Right. Do your due diligence, figure out what you want, make sure that you're the best landlord there is, and then you'll find a really good tenants. And, and, and it does make sense, right? You're gonna attract the best tenants if you're a really good landlord. Yeah, and the thing is, it's a business, so, and it's a people business. So on both sides, you're, you're treating your seller as a human. So you're treating your resident as a human also. Once they're into your property, you could be strict with them, maybe for the first six months. And whatever rules you have written into your contract, you should follow that for, for six months, just so you can train them and, and put them in the system. But after that, if you want to relax a little bit, that's fine. Like right now, what, what I did yesterday, um, you know, we're in the middle of the coronavirus. What I did yesterday, I reached out to the resident just to check and see if they're okay. They, they call me and they really appreciate um, the effort because I bet you not that many landlords out there are doing this right now. They, they don't, they don't care really. They, they don't care. You you're there, you pay your rent. And so you stay, but I'm like, if they're going to stay there, they're keeping up my assets. 
I better just, you know, treat them right and just, just check in with them, see what's going on. Uh, absolutely. It's so true. And, you know, very similar to a lot of, again, what we're in the midst of doing as well, too, checking in with tenants and letting them know. And even before all of that, right, even before this whole pandemic, all this type of things, I think that is a regular good thing to do, right? Christmas time, there's, we always try to drop off, like, you know, whether it's a gift certificate or a basket, right, to tenants, or, you know, you're going in and checking smoke detectors and furnace filters, CO2, yep. all that kind of stuff. So you don't want to make it like, oh, I'm coming in here to check on you, like it's, you know, like a, an army type thing, right? But more of like, well, I have to come here anyway. What's, how are you? What's going on? Like, what are the type of things? And create it like a relationship now, you know, you don't want to go too far where, you know, they're, they're going to take advantage, but that's where, you know, what Laurel was mentioning of, of Harry Fine is being a good landlord is just really being a good business owner, right? Those are your clients. Those are your customers. If you owned a restaurant, would you just drop off the bill and say, Hey, you have 30 days to pay me or you have, you know, 15 minutes to pay. And then you have to leave the table and you have to leave here, right? No, you're going to, you're going to want them to come again. And I think sometimes landlords, investors, we lose sight of that because, and, and, and this has really forced us to look us in the eyes and say, oh my God, who are our customers? What are the relationships that we have to pick them up the phone? Because no doubt there will be issues when everybody's at home and not, or unable to work. So um, I think building that relationship, you know, whether it's clients, whether it's you know, the professional partners and people that you work with, everybody in your business, you, you have to kind of have that human aspect or human element to it. Sure, they're, they're a paycheck, they're, they're a rent check that's coming in. But they are humans. They're somebody's family, you know, brother, sister, son, daughter, something like that, right? So um, that's a good point. It's just following up, staying in touch, and being um, being vigilant is really important, right? Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, I, I really just want to find out, hey, are they going to be okay? Do they still have their jobs? But you know, it doesn't hurt to to just ask, hey, how's your family doing? It's the same phone call, you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I think we've reached the, the part of the podcast that we're going to start our lightning round. So V, are you ready? Uh, ready for the lightning round? Yeah, sure. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. I just wanted to take a quick moment here it is Sarah Larby and I'm here with Laurel Simmons and we have some really exciting news for you. And we heard you, we heard your emails and we are going to be bringing you Right Club Nation online, coast to coast, accessible at any time of day. And you can be in your pajamas like I am right now and you can access our great contents. And what is going to be that content, Laurel? Well, we have videos, recordings of live events that we've held. We have webinars. We have, we'll have our podcast information up there. We'll have uh, forums and chat groups and all kinds of things. You'll even be able to find services and products that you need in your neighborhood, local for you, because we know how important it is that you have your local team with you. We're going to be rolling things out very quickly. And as we start, you'll see more and more stuff come along. And we really want you to join and become part of our online community. Absolutely. This is the first. And in my opinion, it was going to be the best Canadian online community of real estate investors and like-minded individuals. So guys, come and grow with us. Join our online community. Register and come and say hi and check out the amazing things. Yeah, and all you have to do is go to therightclub.com and you'll find us there. It's easy to register, it's free, and hop on. We can't wait to see you there. Guys, come and grow with us. And now, back to the show. 
Awesome. Okay. So, uh, Laura, are you ready for question number one? I am indeed. Here we go. What is the best advice you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? Ooh, best advice, huh? One thing I, I think, is, it's a long answer, is to help people along the way. So if wherever you are in this journey, you're investing, could, you could be a newbie, but think about someone who don't even have the concept of investing in real estate. You know, you could think to yourself, hey, I'm new, I haven't done a deal yet, but look and see how you can help the next person you see. Any way you can, if, if that person is someone who never had this concept about real estate investing, doesn't know anything about, hey, you are further along in this path than that person, help them, give them some advice, give them some books to read, and just take them to whatever event, go to the right club, you know? That's great advice. I, I love that. And you can help along the way. And actually, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just build on that for one second. We uh, brought in a new employee at, at, uh, at our company and he's very new to real estate investing. He's learning and he's been in, in the game, let's call it six months to a year. And as he started coming out to the real estate events, he met a complete rookie, complete new person. It was the first event, first thing about real estate they ever had walked in and they were sitting together at the same table at the right club. And they started asking him some, you know, basic questions. And he goes, and I knew the answers and I was able to help them. And they didn't know. And I knew, and he goes, and I'm like a rookie. I don't know anything. And he just lit up. And I said, you know what? That's the fun part. That's the passion. That's why, you know, people like yourself, Laurel and I, and at the right club, why we do this is to continue to help people because that ROI is like infinite times infinite. Because that seeing someone else and giving them a piece of knowledge that they didn't have before and what they do with it, they might have forgot it that night as they walked out the door, but it was something that they're helping them and bringing them along the way. So um, that's awesome. Help people even, you know, anywhere along the path. If you're the beginning, middle or towards the top, then you can help people all the way through. So uh, sorry about that. But question number two of, uh, of the lightning round, what is your favorite real estate investing resource? Favorite real estate investing resource with in the U.S. I, I would say, or I uh, would be Zillow. I don't know if you have that that in um, Canada or do they have that market, but Zillow is like gold to me. I used to be able to just do comps like within five ten minutes, and, and I'm not looking at the Zestimate number. I'm I'm looking at uh, other properties and other data that they have um, on their site. Okay. I don't, I don't know whether we have Zillow here yet or not. I think it might be coming. I don't see many people talking about it here in Canada, but there will be other, you know, uh, there's lots of uh, things out there. So in other words, you're saying use the resources that are already out there with, that have lots of valuable information and mine them because they're there for the taking. Yes, yes that's, so, that's correct. Now question number three, what is the attribute that has made you successful? Persistent. You just don't know when you will get that deal sometime. And sometimes you, you feel like working and working and working. You don't see any results at all. But just, just keep on doing the things that you know that is correct. So let's say you're, you're sending out mailing campaigns. You're calling sellers. You're putting out offers. And in a hot market, you might not get your deals. But just keep on doing it, and one day you will get it. I, you know, for one year I did not close any properties, 
And then all of a sudden, one week into the new year, I bought four houses one week. Yeah, and that, and that's it. That's the continued persistence. Keep it going, and something will click. Doing it the right things, working with you know mentors and coaches and and people that have been there, they're going to tell you the same thing. It's it's you keep going at it. it doesn't just come you know, your first shot. If it was easy, right, it'd be common and all over the place and being done all the time. Um, that that's great. Being persistent and and just the journey that you came that you had to come from Vietnam. And, you know, learn a new language, that persistence, that, that didn't let you stop, that didn't stop you from learning what you need to do and achieving the successes that you have. Um, yeah, that's a huge kudos. So uh, last question of the lightning round. Oftentimes we record this on a Sunday morning. It's not, it's a, it's a Monday evening tonight, but uh, what is a typical Sunday look like you for you, V? Sunday is, is interesting. So for the, throughout the day, I, I'm not doing anything until maybe like 6 p.m. The day I'm just relaxing and go out hiking and doing whatever I need to do, chores and whatnot. Um, starting around 6, 7 p.m., I, I will see uh, continue reading my books. And then I just recently picked up a journal. It's called the Best Self Journal. And that allowed me to plan my week to, um, you know, whatever I need to do for the next week to achieve my 90 days goal. All right. Thank you so very much. So where can people reach you? We, we know that we, you've, you've got your podcast. It's the uh, Real Estate Lab podcast. Do you have a website? Do you have any other place where people can reach you? Yes. You can visit my website at www.realestatelab.live, L-I-V-E. And if you're interested in talking to me and you know, schedule a call with me, go to www.callwithv dot com that's v with two e's super amazing thank you so much for sharing your story today v uh any last words of advice or anything you'd want the uh the right club nation to know right club nation right now is a difficult time i know in a few weeks by the time that this podcast released i am hoping that things have calmed down a little bit but just don't ever let yourself go into a negative state keep a positive attitude no matter what, tomorrow is always going to be brighter and better. Absolutely. Thank you so very, very much, V. We really appreciate it. So from Alfonso and myself and everyone at the Right Club and even those people who are listening to the, to the first time for our podcasts, thank you very, very much. And keep safe, be happy, and keep on trucking. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, V. No problem. So Alfonso, that was a great interview with V, wasn't it? Like he's got such an interesting story. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the, the you know what? I, I love the, you know, the story of, a, of an a family that's immigrated. I am from a family of immigrants that have came to Canada. His family immigrated to the U.S. and again, made the best of it, that opportunity there, you know, that, that strive for that greatness to, to just do a little bit better, to be, to be the best that you can possibly be, right? Not to quote, you know, the be all you can be kind of stuff, but really is be what you want to be, right? If, if there's something that's not sitting right with you or you want to change, you have that capability to do it. And, and V is a great, uh, great example. I love what he talked about, uh, about the uh, learning to speak English, right? How he had to adapt and really force himself, right? And throw them in those situations, right? So those people that, you know, you think you have complaints or it's raining outside or there's something going on, you know, 
come on, push through it. How important do you want it? Uh, do you, how bad do you really want it? Right. That's, that's going to be uh, that's going to be the determining factor in getting it done, the doing it. Yeah. I agree with you. That's what struck me too. It was like, wow, they came over from Vietnam. They had a long wait and he had to learn another language and, and look where he is now. I mean, he's done so much and he's now in his thirties, but, but it's like, um, it's just, kind of mind-blowing what somebody can accomplish when they really put their mind to it right and it's not and i think again it's not just deciding you want to do something it's actually i don't know picking up the phone putting putting pen to paper putting finger to computer whatever it is making it actually doing it making it happen yeah making it happen And, and that's why when uh when the four of us daniel laurel sarah and i sat back and said you know what let's create a community or let's start and it's evolved into this amazing thing was is to share these stories and experiences with everybody out there so for all of you listeners thank you so much for tuning in and we hope that whether it's knowledge whether it's inspiration whether it's experience whether it's what to do what not to do it's the right contact the right power team whatever you take from these podcasts and 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 all the different information that we put out there we we hope it's of value and we hope you're enjoying it and that's why the the right club community or online community has been so powerful and, and been helping a lot of people we want you to go on there interacts there's new updates you know almost daily feels like that uh that that are going on there and being able to communicate with each other share our stories share our resources share all different types of things that is going to be a benefit to each other and really strive and grow grow together yeah so just go to our website www.therightclub.com check it out poke around see what's happening and if you want to reach us it's laurel at therightclub.com Alfonso at therightclub.com or you can reach out to Sarah at therightclub.com and Daniel at therightclub.com. We're all here. Uh, Grow at therightclub.com if you have uh, more uh, generic questions. Exactly. If if you're not able to get a hold of us, um, we're going to put it on you because there's a lot of different ways. So we want to hear from you. We absolutely want to hear from you. We want to hear what's going on in your lives, what you're doing in your business and and, uh, yeah, and how you're growing and what you're doing. So, uh, Another great podcast, Laurel. Thank you so much for, uh, for co-hosting today. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, until next time, what do we say? Come, Come grow, grow with, with us. us. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Right Club Podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.